Welcome back to another episode of the Daily Emerald Sports Chefs Report. It's been a while since we've been talking to you guys. Some ups and downs of winter term, but we're back on the mics today. We got Mojo, my co-editor here joining us today. He's going to talk some baseball. It's Mojo's debut on the pod. How are you doing today, Mojo? Pretty good, yeah. I haven't been awake that long, but but I'm I'm ready. <laughs> awesome, awesome. So before we get hit it to Mojo, we're going to go to some men's basketball. You know, the past few times that we have talked to you guys about men's basketball, most of it has been um, disappointing. Most of it has been just harping on the negatives, but there's a few positives that we get to talk about today. It was an ugly win, but a win is a win. The Oregon men's basketball team beat Oregon State on a last-second shot by Rivaldo Suarez. Basically a last-second shot. There was like .6 left on the clock after it. Brady was in Corvallis. So, Brady, I'm going to kick it to you. Just right away, post-shot, what's the scenes looking like? It was quiet. (laughs) Um, Oregon had been the had been the leading team, not necessarily the better team, but the leading team for a good portion of the game. Uh, I think Oregon was up about 10 with maybe 12 minutes left, and Oregon State just kind of started to come back a little bit, and then Cuisinart fouled out, and he was one of the leading scorers at the time, and the Oregon lead just disappears. And all of a sudden, Oregon State's up by five with two and a half minutes left, and at this point, Richardson and Suarez had combined for about three points, and it's it's not looking good. Corvallis is packed. It is pumping. And I'm sitting there, I'm going, this is how it happens. This is just this is the epitome of how this season's gone. You, just, yeah. you find a way to, to, to lose this one. And they're able to tie it up. Soros hits that shot with about six seconds left, or .6 seconds left, the place goes silent. And I'm thinking, oh, no. Because the highlight that comes to mind is from the that, that Portland State, Northern Arizona finish from earlier this crazy. year. That, that you, we've all seen this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I'm thinking that, I'm going, oh, boy, here we go. Points to six seconds, they throw it in from the baseline. It gets tipped by Dante, immediately goes out of bounds. But there's still time left on the clock. But now the Beavers aren't inbounding from their baseline. They're inbounding from their own bench, essentially, right by the basket. And they get a nice alley-oop look. They had a great look at it, and it just didn't fall. And it was like just exhale, a sigh of relief. And I'm not sure the Ducks were the better team, but they were certainly the luckier team. Um, it was a weird game. There were a lot of, like... Shot clock is expiring. Throw it up, and it happens to fall on both sides. It was just a weird game, but not the best looking team. But found a way to win it. Yeah, I think like this this past three game stretch, if you include Washington, Washington State, it's it's not like Oregon is like playing. I mean, there's definitely some negatives. Don't get me wrong, but they're not playing like awfully. Like, they're in all these games, and just like down the stretch, like one thing leads to another, and they're losing by two with like 30 seconds left and the ball is in someone's hands who doesn't want to take a shot. And that's just that's just how basketball goes sometimes. Um, and I guess yesterday, you know, you had a guy, Rivaldo Suarez, who's a, uh, an experienced player, a junior who's been in some moments, and he was able to knock down these two shots. And this is a guy who's been shooting like really poorly from three, and he hits the three to tie it. They're down three, hits the three to tie it, and then he hits like a nice pull-up jumper. Really quickly on Suarez, he's had a lot of ups and downs offensively. You know, he's he's seen a lot more minutes this year than last year, and he's not been improved offensively. But he's been a guy that at practice I've seen Dana Altman use as an example when, you know, this guy hustles. This guy does exactly what the coach wants. They are talking about at practice how Oregon State doesn't have a real true 
uh, rim protector, and Suarez was going to the basket every single time at practice. Um, there was a possession towards the end when Dana was pretty mad at the team because you know they were forcing some outside shots, and Suarez went to the basket and had a little nice up and under. So he's a great practice player. He's a great uh, leader, great plus-minus guy. I don't know how much you guys buy into that stat, but he's always one of the people leading that team um, in that. And I, I think like he didn't have a great game, but it, it it's just cool to see him in that moment and you know that he's always going to be ready even if he's not having a great shooting day you know he's going to be ready for the shot he's not going to shy away from it it was I, I do think it was fortunate that those two shots that he hit late were fairly uncontested because that was what was the most concerning part is for that game you mentioned he hadn't scored up until then and he just looked uncoordinated he, he looked sporadic he was all over the place and it, and it was he looked almost a little frazzled just very very rigid with his movements and it was it was kind of a mess to watch, but when he finally found himself some space, he was able to have some success in, in a crucial time to give the Ducks a... I mean, the season could be already over, but I'd say any win in Corvallis is a much-needed win. Yeah, and you know that the Beavers want it. Like, they don't care that they have... that they're 10 and 17 or whatever. Like, they, they want it. Oh, the student but, section was packed. They gave away, yeah. like, orange bucket hats to all the students, but... Do they allow chainsaws inside the, the basketball I didn't see one. I didn't see or hear one of them. Um, I did see though. Shout out, Duck fans! It down in the student section, there was a little pod of about fifteen Duck fans in their green oh. and yellow. Pit crew travels. Um, it was nice. I want to move on to something real quick. So, like, just being around the Oregon, the Oregon men's basketball team, and even following it before I came to Oregon, I knew who Will Richardson was. Especially you guys too, I'm sure, because he was like a pretty crucial player on some of their teams with like Peyton Pritchard. He's a younger guy who you know gave him some offense when they needed it. And you know, past two years they've they've tried to build the team around him and Folly Dante for better and and worse. Like, and that's one of that's gonna be our cover story in our in our March Madness edition actually, because their their time their their time is coming to an end. And it chronicle we've chronicled it a lot. It's not gone close to what they probably planned for. Recently, Will has been a no show in the scoring column. You know, for for whatever you want to say, like I still think without him on the court, it's tough for them to get into an offense. They they lack direction. And against Washington State, I thought it was like really apparent when Bartholomew was kind of going crazy. And right when Will got hurt, nobody passed Bartholomew the ball. And like it's little things like that that like mean that he should be on the court, and I and I value that. But if you're telling me this is the dude we're building around, and in the, the past four games, past four games, which like after the UCLA, UCLA loss, there was still like a, a tease, some teasing hope that Oregon could get an at-large bid because they were playing against literally the five worst teams in the Pac-12 mm-hmm. to end their season. But he's averaged like six points, five or six points. He's taken like, and it's not because he's shooting poorly; it's because he's just timid to shoot. So my whole thing is like, he's he's playing through injury right now. He definitely is. It's clear. Yeah, and he played through a sickness last year, and it's not just like a, a flu or like a cold. Like that's a mononucleosis. Nucleosis is a pretty severe, like illness that it, it knocks you out. He couldn't play in the in the Pac-12 tournament and in the NIT. My like, I don't know if you guys saw my tweet, but like my whole pause with this is like. How do you cover a guy like that? Because obviously it's our job to hold him accountable, especially when he is the building block. But this is one of the quietest guys on the team. He's one of the he's one of the most well-respected guys on the team. And he doesn't 
like have social media. He he's not a polarizing figure. Like I don't know. You look at Kevin Durant. You look at Kyrie Irving. These are guys that are polarizing figures, and the criticism they get is kind of justified because they are asking for it. You know, with how they play, how they talk. He's not. Yet he's the biggest the biggest player on, you know, Oregon, which is a pretty publicized team, and he's going through these struggles. So like, like my question is like, how do you cover someone like that? When it's like you have to hold them accountable, but in the back of your head, it's like this guy's going through something. Yeah, and it's hard to be critical too because you, you, he's a guy that's he's been a program guy for years. He made the decision to come back for one more year, and he, like you mentioned, they're building this team somewhat around him. And so when he's going through these struggles, it's like, oh, take him out. But how do you how do you take that guy out in this situation? How, you, you built the team around him. He is the he he was your team last year. Like it's really hard to pull him from that spot. Yeah, you guys know that Infali Dante is the leading scorer on the team right now. He's that been playing great. That he's been playing great. Yeah, he's been, well, and okay, and to, uh, to that point, that's one of the really frustrating parts of this last four or five games is Oregon is now has now lost three of its last four, and in this stretch where. Will Richardson hasn't played very well. And what are those losses? A seven-point loss at home to the number seven team in the country. A one they point, were leading at like right, halftime. A one-point loss in overtime at Washington. A three-point loss at Washington State. Like, they're in they're in these games. It's competitive. And that's almost the, the most frustrating thing is because you can see the players are frustrated because there is talent on this team. And even when Will Richardson, who's supposed to be your leading scorer, is struggling, the rest of the team is still keeping them in, keeping the team in these games. And just not, they didn't find a way to get it done. I think, like, one, one thing that's agonizing for me, and this is just, like, as a bas- like as a guy who watches a ton of basketball and a ton of, like, modern era basketball, it's so tough to be good and have your best player be the big man. Like I just yeah. think those two things are tough. Like they they try and drop a lot of a lot of things for Dante, and bro, he is he his post game is really underrated. Like he has some he has some nice footwork. He's a good post scorer, and that this doesn't really translate to you know the NBA doesn't translate to a lot of success in college either. And I think especially in games like against Washington State and Washington, when you're down the stretch, you're trying to create shots. It kind of gets lost in you that lost in your mind that like our best player is sitting in the dunker spot and we got to get him the ball, and it takes like five or six passes to get him the ball. Like I think there was a possession late in the Washington State game or maybe it was Washington game in overtime when they got they kind of broke down the zone they were struggling with it and Richardson hit a drop down pass to Dante and it was a, it was just a dunk and it's like that's your best player but it takes like four or five passes to get him the ball because he can't create his own shot from the perimeter and that's where the NBA and, and college game is played right now so I just think that's just a holistic issue in itself he's a great player but it's tough to have a 7-1 center who doesn't do anything outside of four feet as your best player on the team that's the thing yeah a big who can score is the most valuable thing in basketball right but that's like a like a like a Kevin Durant type player you know like a like what they want Kalel Ware to be. And when it's in Fale Dante, who is kind of just meant to get rebounds, you know, blocks, dump it off in the paint, let him go to work. That, I mean, that that's kind of tough. When, when that's your leading score, you're not going to have a lot of success. Mm-hmm. So I want to just really quickly, before we move on from men's, I'm going to hint, or I guess this is kind of related to women's basketball as well. So we're coming out with the March Madness preview um, in a week and a half or so. So I want you guys to check that out. I'm just going to give a little hint at that. So some of the uh, stories that are going to be in that, we have Brady's writing 
kind of uh, nostalgic piece on the best tournament runs, as there probably won't be one this year. So if you want to relive some of the best tournament runs, check out Brady's piece. It covers both the men's and women's runs. Nina's kind of going to be writing a, a piece that is about Richardson and Dante and the woes of building around them, so that'll be cool. I'm writing a piece on Jermaine Cousinard and kind of like why he's able to get up for the biggest games. Like he had 27 against Arizona, another game like that. So there's going to be some good pieces. I hope you guys check that out. So let's move on to women's basketball. Brady, I'm going to kick it to you because I know you were at this game. Just what have you been seeing with their their last two wins? They broke a seven-game losing streak and beat the Arizona school. So what have you been seeing from them? Yeah, this this is a very similar team to the men's where they they were, they were going to need to get hot if they wanted any prayer at a at a tournament bid. And seven game losing streak. Grace Van Sluten's hurt. Number fourteen Arizona's coming to town. It's a random Thursday night game. It just didn't really feel quite like the right recipe to turn around. And one of Oregon's best players, Sahina Pow Pow, she had been struggling lately, kind of like we were talking about with Richardson. Um, but she had one heck of a weekend. She dropped 21 against Arizona, and then she put 23 up against Arizona State. Um, Oregon dominated Arizona. Dominated. Um, they got up, I, I, I don't remember exactly, but I think Oregon got up about 15 or so on Arizona on Thursday night, and the the fans that were there at Matthew Knight were pumping, but Arizona crept back in and made it a one, got it back to a one-point game. It was like, ugh. This is how it happens. This is how it goes away. And in the blink of an eye, Oregon hits a bunch of three-pointers. And just more credit to Pow Pow. She had, she had five three-pointers three against Arizona, and then she actually had seven of them yesterday against Arizona State. She, just, she had a great weekend, and it was one that she really needed, one this team needed, because with the loss of Van Sluten, they needed someone to step up, and she had, she had one heck of a weekend. Mm-hmm. So, so is this team tournament-bound? Kelly Graves sure thinks so. Yeah. He was saying on a tip-off Tuesday, on Tuesday, he said he still thinks they're a team that can sneak in, but they're going to have to put together a pretty nice run here in Vegas coming up, which we'll get to in a little bit. But mm-hmm. no, it was it was a good, dominating 73-59 win over number 14 Arizona to snap a seven-game losing streak, and then yesterday just sheer dominance, 77-48 to over Arizona State, who you're supposed to beat, because Arizona State going into that game was 8-18, eight and 18, so... If they if there were thir- they're only twelfth in the Pac twelve because there isn't a thirteenth team. <laughs> but that yeah, was one conference win. Yeah, but, yeah. And that that game was chippy. I haven't seen anything quite like it. Like you thought it might be a kind of nice vibe because it was senior night and Kelly Graves actually gave flowers to the Arizona State seniors before the game. Like it was a very kumbaya like thing. And then Taya Hansen, obviously the transfer from Arizona State playing against her former school. And things got chippy late in the late in the first in the in the second quarter. A shot was made at the buzzer beater. A little bit of a celebration in front of the Arizona State bench, and things got a little chippy. Some some not punches, but there was some shoving, some pushing, and lots of fouls were assessed. And then the whole second half, everyone was going hard for rebounds and a lot of like personal fouls, scrappy plays, and it was it was something to watch. That's cool. All right, well, let's move on from women's basketball to baseball. Mojo, it's your turn, my guy. Um, so this I, I, this team got swept by UC Santa Barbara, right? Yep. Um, just I, I guess they started off well against Xavier, but what were some of the struggles that you saw in this past series? Well, the offense, and it was really a problem in the, the Xavier series too. You know, the offense has really been so-so this entire season so far. But in you know in the Xavier series, the the young pitching bailed them out. You know, there's a lot of new faces in the 
in the pitching staff, some some different roles too, with Logan Mercado kind of bouncing between the rotation and the bullpen. But yeah, the offense has just been been pretty terrible, honestly. And, and he was supposed to be the strength of this team. You know, the skepticism was was in the the pitching. And while the pitching was definitely shakier, you know, this time around, I mean, there were there were a few rough performances. Um, and and the walks have been a problem again, which was kind of their biggest issue last year. You know, even with a different look pitching staff, you know, they're walking 5.6 guys per nine innings, which is, you know, that just doesn't fly. And, you know, they're actually holding batters to a 225 average. So, you know, the, these young pitchers have been impressive, but they're walking too many guys still. And, and the offense has just been a massive disappointment so far. I mean, Tanner Smith, Tanner Smith is off to a good start, but hasn't shown any power. Owen D. Dottie, the transfer, he, he had a lot of hype. He hasn't been good. Um, Drew Cowley has been surprisingly bad, which you know is shocking considering the guy had a, over 500 on base percentage last year. Uh, Jacob Walsh has been terrible. God, he's been abysmal. One for 19. And Just I mean, awful. I somewhat expected a sophomore slump from him, but come on, one for 19 to, to start the year. He just looks completely lost at the plate. Yeah. I got I got to ask you about about Diodati. Yeah. Um, I was at the Friday game. Mm-hmm. Home run. Oh, it was definitely a home run, and yeah. He is just not catching any breaks right now, like a lot of these guys. I mean, there have been some hard outs, too. Like That's not the whole problem. But that that ball was 20 feet fair. And, you know, there was video replay to, to prove it. And Diodati even went, you know, he rounded the bases. He was sure it was a home run. Yeah, that that was an unacceptable mistake by the umpire. So the, the umpiring in general the series was very questionable. Yeah, and it kind of killed some of the momentum yeah, in that definitely. game. Oregon was coming yeah. back with it. A little bit of a comeback. That was going to tie the game. Diodati home run would have tied the game. Instead, you don't get that run. You you give up some walks, give up a grand slam, and now you're out of it. Yeah, and yeah, his struggles have been been tough. And I I saw him, you know, throw his batting gloves to the ground in the dugout after one of his outs yesterday. Um, There's still a long way to go. You know, baseball's a long season. I remember last year Tanner Smith and Anthony Hall both both got off to slow starts, and they both ended up having great seasons. So. There's a long way to go. We're we're still not even to Pac-12 play, but yeah, the offense has just been majorly disappointing so far. Mm-hmm. Wait, and, and remarkably, I had to. Yeah. they're still four and three. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they went four and zero opening weekend against Xavier. It's kind of been a tale of two seasons almost. You know, they they sweep Xavier, then they get swept. Obviously, UCSB is a, a stronger program than Xavier, but yeah, I mean, they've really only had one great offensive game in in the seven games. Um, you know, they, they squeaked by the other three wins in the Xavier series with, with good young pitching. You know, th- those same pitchers were a little more so-so this past weekend. Um, so so let's get to that, Mojo. Like, what are some of the ups and downs of having a lot of young pitchers? Yeah, well, it's the lack of experience. You know, you, you it would be unreasonable to expect them to be dominant right away. And, you know, they exceeded expectations in that, that Xavier series. Um, but like Waz said, you know, they're – they're freshmen, they're young, they're still going to have their ups and downs. Um, and yeah, it, it'll be tough to see how they, they perform against better programs like UCSB and eventually like you know a lot of the, the Pac-12 programs. Um, Let me ask you this, Mojo. For, as the guy who's covering the team this year, as the beat reporter, UCSB, that this weekend series was supposed to be in California. Right. And then they're, they're supposed to get a ton of rain, and it gets. they talk about maybe playing the series in Arizona, and then it gets switched and said, well, we'll just come to Eugene. 
Does that, that ever happen? Did you have to change game in? I'm sure California it has sometimes. Move to Oregon for yeah, well, right for rain. Yeah, that, that's um, pretty unusual. Do you have to change your weekend plans a lot? Or well, I, no complaints <laughs> for me. I mean, I get some extra baseball at PK Park. I'm, I'm certainly not going to complain about extra baseball, but. Yeah, you know, they they viewed that as a positive. You know, Waz was hyping it up on Twitter, you know, you know, tagging the Oregon Pit crew come out and you know support us at PK Park, you know. They show and, up? There's been some. Uh, well, actually they had a great turnout for opening day against Xavier. That that was surprising. That was the most I've ever seen fun. a student section into a baseball game before. This weekend was was a little underwhelming. Both in the, honestly, the media presence too. Was, they were in Corvallis was, instead. Yeah, it, it was, it was basically just me and Jared for for all three of those games. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it, it was a, it was definitely a light crowd this weekend in the, in the stands too. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so what are some of the solve for these issues moving forward, Mojo? Some of the some of the solutions. Well, the, the offense has to get going. I mean, the pitching staff is going to have its ups and downs. You know, there there's no doubt about that, but. Yeah, Drew Cowley really has to get figure it out. Jacob Walsh has to figure it out. And, you know, there's a lot of depth on this team, arguably even more than last year, that, you know, maybe those guys start to, to get some more playing time, you know, especially if Walsh continues to struggle. I mean, there's there's Dominic Hellman, who we haven't seen a lot of yet. Uh, I saw he wasn't running great yesterday, so maybe there's some precaution there. But, you know, there's Drew Smith, who we haven't seen at all. Uh, there's Sabine Ceballos, who's been in the lineup about half the time he's been mainly against lefties but I think he should be in the lineup every day um he's actually been been good in in the little time he's he's gotten mm-hmm. um yeah I, I'd like to see him every day yeah th- these guys just have to get going I mean some of the especially some of these more established players like yeah and, and I mean even Tanner Smith you know hasn't shown any power yet even though he's he's gotten on base at a good rate so it's just not clicking so far. Can I can I ask you this, Mojo, yeah. about about the middle infield? Gavin Grant spent the bulk of last year at, at second base, right. moved over to shortstop this year. He's looked fairly comfortable over there. And yeah, he's had a couple errors, but I mean, he had experience at shortstop before this year. Sure. Um, he he moved to second because of Kasovich, and now you know Kasovich is gone. So he's he's over. He's looked okay at short. I I agree, and you know. I have to mention Riku Nishida oh, he's at been second fun. base. Who's so much fun. He's been as advertised for sure. I mean, he's only slugging 250, which not ideal, but you know he gets on base, he slaps the ball, makes a lot of contact. He's only struck out one time so far. Um, you know, very energetic on the field at the plate. I mean, he's fascinating to watch in, in the batter's box. But it, and he'll steal like crazy. I mean, yeah. there was a, there was a, at the Friday game I was at. He got on base. I think it was on a fielder's choice, and everybody in the ballpark knew he was going. And the UCSB pitcher picked off three to- three straight times before delivering a pitch. Three straight times. Oh yeah, save you, all the you should have seen. And that. then the first pitch that he actually did deliver to the, to the plate, Riku took off and beat it by him. Yeah, you should have seen last night. I mean, the guy must have thrown over twenty times. I, I might not even be exaggerating. I mean, it, the, the crowd was into the crowd was like moaning and, and jeering. Yeah. Okay. So two things before we before we head out. Just I want to look at the Pac-12 women's tournament bracket because, like we were saying, I think I think they have a chance to still make um, this tournament. I don't think it's as high as Kelly Graves thinks it is. But let's. So they're playing Washington in the first round. What are our thoughts on this on on this run? It's gonna have to start with Washington. I mean, it, it, it's a tr- it's gonna be a tricky game for Oregon. It's it's the eight nine matchup. It's not one that anyone's super super enthusiastic about. I mean. Because it's Washington, and Washington always finds a way to play Oregon tough. They split the season series this year, Oregon winning in Eugene, Washington winning in Seattle, but it's a good tiebreaker. Who can get the third match? But then 
Say you make it out. Say you beat Washington. Number one, Stanford wins. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's tough. But if you want to make the tournament, the national tournament, this is how you make noise. You got to make noise in the right. Pac-12 championship. And I think like, you do it. if you can... Like, if you win the Stanford game and then you lose, I think that's a statement, like, in itself. Like, if you lose close. I think if yeah. you get blown out well, at I'm any saying, point, I think done. if you win the Stanford game and then lose in the semis of the tournament, like, that's pretty... That, that's just as good as, like, losing the championship. As long as it's close, I think. Yeah. Like, like yeah. let's say they get past Stanford. That's they'd, fair. They'd, they'd run into, likely, number four Arizona or number five UCLA. They can probably afford to lose that game yeah. close yeah. and still be a bubble team. Yeah. But going to have to beat Stanford. We're going to have to beat Washington yeah. first. Before we go, I want to do a little bit of, like, overall college basketball tournament talk. Because, I like, All-Star Weekend, I did not watch any of that nope. shit. I was, I was tuning in some college basketball. And it was fun. Like, college basketball is taking center stage, and it was kind of fun. Um, some of the teams that I like, uh, I, I just I have a thing for Creighton. I know that they get unlucky a ton. But they got some dogs. I like Baylor Shireman a lot. I don't know if you guys watch watched a lot of college basketball recently, like outside of Oregon. But um, so we don't have to t- spend a lot of time on this on this segment. But my teams right now, I like Creighton a lot. St. Mary's is decent. I think they lack a little like perimeter scoring, but I like I think their point guard Aiden Mahaney is good. They lost to Gonzaga last night. Another a few other teams I like. Um, I think Kansas State is good. They have some firepower. I think Miami's decent, but they they lost a 15 point lead to Florida State last night. That was crazy. To the rival. That was yeah. insane. Yeah. yeah. So, I think it's wide open. Like I personally don't like Purdue. I like Indiana, who just beat them. I think Indiana, like they have a lot of scrappy players. Uh, Trace Jackson Davis is really scrappy. He's a, he's a big that I think just does a lot of stuff and just gets it. Up. They have a point guard, Jalen Hutchifino, who I think. He's like their creator, so I think they can go as far as he goes. If he has an off game, it's probably going to be tough for them to win because they just don't have a lot of like creative offense outside of him. Um, but, yeah, I think it'll be a fun tournament. Anything you guys are looking forward to with the tournament outside of Oregon? Are we going to get an Emerald Sports Dex- Desk bracket competition? We can get that going for sure. That, that'd for sure. be a lot of fun. Especially because it seems like I'll, I know a little bit more than you guys. So, Whoa. <laughs> Anyways, um... That's all we have for you today. I'm exci- I'm really excited for March Madness. Like I feel like the games have been pretty exciting. You guys should tune into some of them. And it's interesting because like I'm a big NBA guy, but I've been like really annoyed with how NBA has been played right recently. So I've just been like, you know what? I'm enjoying watching these college games. I'm just gonna watch them. I'm just gonna watch them. So they play every game for something. Like even the regular season games. Mm-hmm. Whereas like half the NBA games you turn on, they're just not playing for anything. So yeah, load management. <laughs> Anyways, that's not where I thought this conversation was going to go. But tune in to uh, the March Madness tournament and look out for our March Madness edition coming out week and a half. Um, thank you guys for listening and have a good weekend. Have a good day. Bye.